This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel 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 it. Today on the COVID report, we are joined by Nelisa Mulana, Managing Director of PR Trends ZA. She will be engaging us on the conversation about surveillance apps and monitoring tools that employers use to track productivity of staff who are working from home. Thank you so much, Ms. Nelisa, for joining us here on the COVID Report. And firstly, is there a difference between monitoring in office and monitoring from home employees? Hi, Spasitla. Thanks for having me. Yes, there is uh, obviously a huge uh, difference between how employers um, keep track of employers, employees in the office as opposed to be as opposed to working from home. What would an employer want to monitor on an employee and how is it valuable for companies to do this? So obviously employers uh, want to make sure that um, A, staff are working um, for the duration. So normally if you would have an eight hour day, um, employers would want to make sure that um, you are using all those eight hours to to work. Um, Because obviously we know that um, productivity and and output of a company or a business is is relative to productivity. So obviously you want to make sure that people are relatively working at optimum or as close to optimum as possible so that you can get the output necessary in order to keep the business growing. Obviously less productivity, less money that the company makes. Now a part that I'm interested in is what types of surveillance apps are employers using to track their employees? So I think there's a difference in language in terms of surveillance. Surveillance means obviously kind of like a spying type of monitoring of work versus uh, productivity management. So, um, so the difference between the two is that you are not kind of like, you know, surveilling and kind of micromanaging and hovering over people, A, without them knowing uh, versus uh, productivity applications where people actually, um, are also, where your employees are also responsible for managing their own output. So, for example, a surveillance app is, uh, for an example, um, some surveillance apps uh, uh, would even screenshot uh, your computer screen to show whether you're there and whether you're working as opposed to a project management tool that where people can where employees can self-manage and say okay cool these are my priorities for this week today i'm doing a i've ticked b on my list so um, employers have to kind of weigh up the two types of productivity management in order for them to to get the most out of people. Obviously, you want to create an an environment where your employees feel like uh, they're in charge of their work and that they are also supported by their employer. So you don't want to kind of create an environment where you're like the big brother as the employer. Now, speaking for the employee, would they be aware there is a monitoring tool installed on their device? And what feedback does the employer receive outside of the screenshots? Is there anything else that an employer could be expecting? 
So, for example, different um, uh, different um, employers use different things. So, for example, some use, um, they have like a morning call to make sure that uh, people are actually at their desk and they're up and working. Some use WhatsApp group calls to make sure that everyone is in, to do an update in terms of who's doing what. Um, some use uh, the Microsoft 365 um, tool microsoft teams has a color coding system for example that shows when someone is online if they're on a meeting or if they're away for a little bit or they're offline so there are different tools that employers uh, use some even use google hangouts uh, to to check in together to make sure that uh, people are actually at work and they've started their day Sisnelisa, would you say there are benefits to this and should companies be looking at doing this especially now during the pandemic so obviously um with the project with project management tools such as trello asana bitrix slack etc um employers should actually look at um using these even beyond the pandemic because what these do they allow these project management tools allow employees to to see their work in the grander scheme of things, to see, okay, cool, when I put in my six to eight hours a day, this is what, um, you know, this is how my piece of work contributes to the bigger uh, scheme of things in terms of company production. Also, um, some, some of these project management tools allow people to set priorities, to set deadlines. People can easily see their own, uh, deadlines there. So I think those tools are really great in terms of making sure that employees can set, you know, can actually really track their own performance um, so that at the end of the month or when people are doing performance reviews, things are not all of a sudden, you know, it's your manager against you and they're coming for you. You can actually track your own uh, productivity. It helps in terms of self-management um, of employees. A very interesting perspective. Now, would you say these applications are open to abuse by employers and how could abuse potentially occur? So I think, um, yes, there is definitely a, a possibility that employers uh, can kind of, um, you know, skirt the line when it comes to um, when it comes to using uh, these apps because um, using these applications and monitoring productivity like this um, changes a bit. There's obviously a need for um, for employers and employees to relook their terms of conditions in terms of uh, working arrangements, right? So that if there are certain you know, very specific ways of monitoring performance and monitoring people at work that are different, like totally different from what you were doing when you're in the office, the working contract needs to be um, reworked. For example, some jobs were meant to be, work, to be uh, you know, in office. So if you didn't have a work from home policy before, you need to obviously relook at that policy to make sure that the scope of work hasn't changed just because you're now working from home. Your office hours aren't changing. I know, for example, now that we're working in pandemic, it's like people are available 24 hours a day 
today when that was not the expectation when you were you were there before even the monitoring tools if you didn't have these monitoring tools before you need to make sure on both sides that everyone now agrees that this is how you are monitored things like uh, making sure that uh, you know privacy laws are not um, are not contravened at the expense of the employer wanting to to monitor a person so for example if your employer um, you know installs software that spies on you with like without you knowing obviously the employer needs to know you need to know the employee needs to know what uh, the employer is using so it's all those things and also related to things like health and safety you know regulations in a um, in a physical building totally differ now that you have to work from home so obviously there are certain things that an employer and employee now need to engage on when it comes to the change in working conditions now, can employers use the surveillance tools for against possible lawsuits while monitoring the integrity of hardware and software, let's say from malicious cyber activity? How safe really are these monitoring tools? So that's the thing. I mean, one can't say um, for sure. I mean, we've seen... Um, serious breaches with companies that we thought were you know the Experian data breach for example has shown us that it is possible for for anything to be hacked so it's important that an employer um, and the employee understands uh, the potential risk that come with any software and that they are prepared uh, for, for, for any malicious kind of attack that may happen as a result. I mean, it's just really up to both ends to understand how does this piece of software work? How does this piece of hardware work? And where are the possible risks and dangers that, um, that could be faced? Obviously, uh, like for example, um, as with any normal environment, as an employee, if you are given um, access to a computer, um, to a work computer, for example, a laptop, a cell phone, a tablet, um, and it comes with pre-installed software, the employer is liable to make sure that all the licensing is valid and within the legal limits. However, as the employee who is in possession and uses the, um, the device or software, it is still your responsibility to make sure you don't contravene it. Um, and I often say to people that ignorance or the fact that you didn't know is usually not a good enough excuse. You need to know what's on the device and how you're using it for and how you could possibly potentially be liable for it. Now, Sisnelisa, apart from setting work expectations, what other basic recommendations are there for creating work from home monitoring policies? So I think uh, the the basis needs to start from uh, looking at what is the expectation now for the company in terms of um, what is different from what you already have in place as in the existing uh, contractual engagement between you and the employer. Um, consider the significant changes that have happened between uh, you know, being on-site and off-site. For example, some jobs um, you know, were built for working in office, right? Like call center agents, the, those kinds of those kinds of positions. So you need to consider what are the significant changes that have happened there, and there needs to be a written uh, communication 
uh, between employer uh, and employee so that um, the terms of this new engagement are clear for everyone. I think the beginning is making sure that there is clear understanding from both sides in terms of this is what we are signing up for, this is now the expectation, so that those things are ironed out and the employee on one end is clear on besides the work that I have to deliver on, what are the conditions that now are an expectation from my employer? And then from the employer side to make sure that obviously your employee understands um, exactly what is expected, what the new stipulations are, and if there are changes to their work and uh, employment contract, those changes need to be explicit and signed on before um, before this pandemic. Obviously, we are about three, four months in now, so constant review is needed to make sure people are still on the same page. And how has the Protection of Personal Information Act changed any of the monitoring tools and have has it even impacted them? So, you know, so the issue with um, Poppy is that, uh, you know, the the implementation of it has not uh, fully kicked in. However, there's still an expectation that employers um, understand what it is, as well as employees understand what it is and what the expectation is, and they need to still comply with that. And do you think the COVID-19 has changed the world of work, or do you think we will return to how things were once? I think I really... Uh, think and know that it has changed the way that we work. I know some employers, some employees as well, never thought they could work fully remotely. There are companies who have come back and said, we are now a fully virtual um, company. So that means that they're not going back to a physical space. That obviously means that, uh, you know, when post-COVID, if there is such a a, a world. Um, we will see, obviously, um, more flexible working arrangements. Uh, we'll definitely see, um, you know, the way that office space being used changing a little bit, considering that we still need to um, adhere to, you know, the the safety guidelines. That means employers need to make sure that there's social distancing, there is, you know, there is sufficient um, support to make sure that employees are able to sanitize, you know, there needs to be, you know, those safety petitions, etc. that that uh, that that are implemented. So we'll definitely see a different um, working world post-COVID. That was Nelly Sangulana, Managing Director of PR Trends ZA, speaking to us about surveillance apps that have been employed by employers to monitor those who work from home. Now, the question arises, is all of this legal? Joining us on the show to unpack whether it is appropriate for your employer to use monitoring tools to track employee productivity is Lisa Ann King from Fluxman Attorneys, who is a legal professional with vast experience in employment law. Thank you, Lisa Ann King, for joining us here on the COVID Report. And firstly, is it legal for your employers to have productivity monitoring tools and surveillance apps for their employees? And what are the pros and cons of having such apps? 
Thank you so much for having me on your show today. It really is a privilege. So as we have all seen with COVID is more and more people have um, experienced the work from home scenario, which I think a lot of us can say we've really loved it. Others have saying that it's not very productive. So what I've discovered in my clients from our clients is it's become very difficult for them to manage performance of employees whilst they're at home. It's difficult to know when they're actually working, when they're not working and what they're doing. So the first thing I want to say um, for all the employees out there is working from home is most certainly not a right. It is a privilege. So if your employer has been kind enough to allow you to work from home, um, you need to understand that it is a privilege. So if they in fact ask that they start monitoring your performance um, via certain apps or monitoring your email usage, etc., on your computers, um, it really is something that you should consent to. So if you don't give that consent, then your employer most certainly would be within its rights to say, well, in that case, you need to return back to the office. So what are my advice to employers would be that they need to obtain written consent. If they are going to put any monitoring devices on cell phones or computers, etc., that they need to inform their staff about this and they need to obtain their written consent, in which event it would be lawful for you to monitor performance or, you know, whatever it may be that you've informed the employee of. However, if you don't obtain that consent and you are, you're not telling your employees that you're monitoring that, that wouldn't be lawful. And of course, the same applies if an employee refuses to provide that written consent, then the employer can demand that that employee returns to the workplace and renders his or her services from the workplace. Now, what are the laws governing these monitoring tools and should there be notice and consent between employer and employee when apps are finally put in place? And should, let's say, under level lockdown five, where employees can't go to the office but refuse to have the monitoring tools, what other alternatives are there? So um, if, if, under, if, if we look at le um, under level five, where employees weren't actually permitted to render their services at the actual physical workplace, those employees that were given the opportunity to work from home and um, provide their services from home, if they refused to provide their consent, my advice to the employer would have been that you, know, you do not need to pay that employee. Because during that level five of lockdown, by the employees not being able to render their services, there was no legal entitlement for the employer to pay that employee because without rendering your services, the employer doesn't have to pay you. And it was legislated that they weren't entitled to those employees that were able to work from home and continue to render their services. If they refused consent at that point in time, my advice to my clients would have been, well, then they need to either take their annual leave or they need to take unpaid leave. But you do not need to pay them if they're unreasonably refusing consent and you've provided all the tools to equip them to work from home. Now, speaking on the apps particularly, are these apps merely for monitoring work productivity or can they be used to detect fraudulent activities? And to what extent can employers disclose information on these surveillance apps? So what is important is I think when employers obtain consent from the employees, they need to be very specific as to what the app will monitor 
and exactly what the information will be used for. Because that obviously then we get into the whole domain of the Poppy Act and the right to privacy and the protection of your personal information. So it's very important that employers upfront disclose exactly what the monitoring will be, the extent of the monitoring, how it will be monitored, and furthermore disclose what they will do with that information. Now, if, for instance, an employee is... Um, not performing or logging on if they're supposed to log on at eight o'clock in the morning and they're only logging on at 11 o'clock in the morning because they've slept late or whatever the case may be. If the employer starts seeing that trend developing, then of course the employer can start disciplinary action and can say, well, you haven't reported for work on time in accordance with your contract of employment. We require you to work from eight until five every day, but you are in fact only logging in at 11 o'clock. So you are in fact Those three hours that you're not working in the morning are in fact unauthorized absence from work. So that could most certainly lead to disciplinary actions. So employees need to be aware that when they are working from home and there's monitoring devices on their computer, they need to work as if they're working at work. If there's working hours that need to be complied with, they need to, you know, work accordingly. If, of course, employees are spending their day surfing the internet and not working. So they're online, but they're on the internet. If the employers have mechanisms and means of picking up what they're doing, what they're searching on the internet, that could also make them vulnerable to disciplinary action. So I think what employees need to understand is that working from home and working from a a physical premises of your employer is really no different in terms of what is expected of you. You will be expected to perform your duties in the hours of work you ordinarily do and to work consistently. If, of course, you're having difficulty, I know a lot of people um, have children that have been homeschooled at the moment, they're online, and some of our staff, for instance, have indicated to us that For them to start work at eight o'clock in the morning, for instance, when they're having to get their children sort of set up and organized for a day schooling at home is difficult. So we've then allowed those employees, for instance, to say, okay, well, start at nine o'clock and work a bit later, work that extra hour lunch in or work a little bit later. So employers can most certainly be a little bit more flexible, but as long as the communication is there, if employees are not communicating with the employer, the employer will be able to discipline that employee. Now, in your answer, you mentioned contracts. Is it advisable for employers to revise current contracts with their employees that details out the expectations and responsibilities to facilitate working from home? And how can employers go about this? So what I would recommend is that I don't think it's necessary to actually amend or vary your current contracts of employment. What I would do is I would um, develop and draft a work from home policy in which you set out, obviously, what the requirements are, what you require of employees that work from home. Um, You may indicate the hours that you require them to work. You may indicate um, how the performance will be monitored. You may itemize the the details of the application that you're using, um, what that information will be used for, etc. And you would then ask them to sign that policy in agreement with the terms set out in those policies. So I would recommend in those circumstances, employers have work from home policies that are signed by the employees in terms of which they consent to the terms that are contained therein. And what kind of privacy rights are employees entitled to? Please also take us through the types of surveillance that crosses the line and intrudes on an individual's rights to privacy. So it's important to understand that everybody in terms of our constitution has the right to privacy. And 
So that is enshrined in the, in the Constitution and it is a constitutional right. Um, what goes further is the right to privacy has now further been entrenched in the Poppy Act, which came into effect recently on the 1st of July. Um, and there has been now a period of 12 months that employers have to get their affairs in order to comply with Poppy. Um, so the deadline is currently the 30th of June. So what, what this essentially means is that the Poppy Act, for example, protects the personal information of, of people in general. Um, and in the employment environment, it would protect your personal information and bear in mind that employers have a significant amount of information that is personable to the individuals on their systems. So that would be the, the, the names, the ID numbers, the details of their spouses, um, children, um, physical addresses, bank account details. It may be an indication of your religious affiliation, your sexual orientation, medical conditions. So the, the list is endless of the information that the employer has. And therefore, that this Poppy Act protects employees' personal information within the employment um, realm. Um, what is important there again is in order to use that information lawfully, the employers also have to obtain consent. And going forward over the next 12 months, we would most certainly recommend to employers that there is an addendum that is drafted to the current contracts of employment that deals with that specific consent as to what information is utilized from a personal perspective in the workplace and to obtain employees' consent to use it. Obviously, what's important in terms of Poppy, and this is something that all employers should be aware of, if, for instance, you catch an employee of yours stealing, whether it's by way of surveillance cameras, whether it's by way of obviously physically red-handed catching them stealing, whether it's fraudulent activity, whatever it may be, if you catch them stealing and you take them through a disciplinary inquiry and they are dismissed and they are found guilty of that and they're dismissed from your employee, and you don't criminally prosecute. So in other words, you don't go and lodge a case with the South African police and you don't follow through on any criminal action. When somebody phones for a reference on that employee, you are not permitted to disclose any criminal or, or conduct. So in other words, you can't say that person was caught stealing and the person was dismissed subsequently and that's why they left your employee. The only time you can disclose criminal conduct is if the person has actually been convicted of an offense in the criminal courts. So even while a criminal case is ongoing, you can't disclose that information to an external third party. You can only disclose that information once the person has been found guilty and there's a criminal conviction. So that's important to bear in mind as to you know, how far an employer can go. I know in the past, before Poppy came into effect, many employers would freely say to a person phoning for a reference, hold on, don't employ that person. They were caught stealing in our, in our employment. That would be a no-no currently in terms of Poppy, which has come into effect. Now, another aspect of the pandemic is even though employees are not working from their employer's premises, their employees remain responsible to provide them with a safe and healthy working environment. What steps can employers take to ensure a healthy and safe remote working environment for their employees? 
Um, so what I, what I would say is that, yes, there's definitely from an occupational health and safety perspective, there is an obligation on employers to ensure that the environment in which the employers are working from is safe and healthy. But obviously, we can just imagine if you've got a workforce of 200 or 500 people, it is very difficult to understand, firstly, the living conditions in which those people are actually living to determine whether, in fact, it is a safe environment for those employees. To be working in. Um, so you can just imagine in the absence of an employer actually going and inspecting everybody's residential premises, it would be quite difficult and onerous for an employer to determine whether there is in fact a healthy and safe working environment. So my, my advice really would be to employers once again to look at potentially um, you know, putting into their work from home policies the fact that the employee undertakes and agrees that the, the premises from which they're working is safe, that the premises are in compliance with the Occupational Health and Safety Act, so as to mitigate any risks that an employer may face if, for instance, a person falls and breaks their legs or whatever it may be whilst working from home. So those clauses in the work from home policies to protect and mitigate the risks of employers at this point in time are very, very important. Um, obviously, to the extent that an employer knows, for instance, that an employee lives in an area that isn't safe from an occupational health and safety point of view, then it would be best to advise that employer and the employee to rather render their services from the employer's workplace, where the employer knows and the employee knows that the person is in a safe and healthy working environment. Obviously, we know that this really only applies to those people that are able to work from home, because many employees out there are, in fact, um, for instance, manufacturing employees, um, people that work in, in factories, pack houses, logistics, etc., aren't even able to have that as an option to work from home. So when I'm obviously saying this, it's really in respect of those employees with operational requirements of the employer allow them to actually render their services from home. But my advice would be to have that all clearly set out in a work from home policy where the employer consents. Oh, sorry, where the employee consents. And can you give us a brief description of the nature of employment and human resources cases that you have been dealing with at Fluxman Attorneys during the pandemic? And how have these changed before the pandemic? So what is interesting to note is that Firstly, obviously, this work from home scenario is something that is quite new to most industries. I know even, to be honest, in our offices is most of us never worked from home and we all rendered our services as lawyers within our own premises. And what we have discovered now is it's actually very effective and, and quite productive to be working from home. I myself, for instance, will say that I don't find that I have any interruptions in my day. We all know when, we, when we're in the office, people come in and have a chat and they have coffee with you, etc. So I find that my day is actually much more productive than when I'm in the office. So what we have found, obviously, in, in the current environment is that there's been a lot of um, requests for assistance with work from home policies, how to protect personal information in terms of poppy. And unfortunately, and really, it is very unfortunate, what we've seen is a large landscape of um, um, employees that are facing a short time. So a lot of employees, their hours of work has been cut significantly. And employers have had to obviously deal with the, dealing with employees that now are, are financially cash-strapped because at the end of every month, they might only be earning half of what they were. A lot of um, companies have reduced their remuneration packages of staff. 
Some of my clients have reduced them, say that the employees currently are working 100% of the time, but they're only being paid 80% of their remuneration, or some of them as much as 50% of their remuneration. And the rationale behind that is obviously some of these businesses have been fortunate enough to claim from TERS, the UIF TERS scheme, which has come into place to assist employers in paying that say 50% or a certain amount of the salary that wasn't paid before. Unfortunately, of course, the higher income earners, the cap is about, I think the maximum is about 7,800 rand or 600 rand that UIF has been paying out to even people that are earning quite highly. So for lower level employees, um, TERS, for instance, has filled that gap. But for higher income earners, having 20% or 30% of their salary uh, reduced, it hasn't filled that gap. A lot of employers have also taken elected provident fund holidays where they have um, agreed that they won't deduct the provident fund contribution and pay it over to the provident funds, which have given the employees a little bit of um, financial um, leeway in that they've had that money in their back pockets and not in their provident funds. Obviously, in the long term, that isn't ideal because people should be saving towards their retirement. But I think at the moment, given the crisis that we're all, follow, uh, all, all facing, it is a solution to put money in people's pockets. We also, unfortunately, have seen large-scale retrenchments. So whilst we've always obviously seen retrenchments in the past, unfortunately, in South Africa, I, I, I believe that there's, a massive, there's going to be a massive rate of unemployment and an increase in unemployment because I've seen a significant amount of retrenchments happening. And what has been interesting and what has been quite, um, we've all had to sort of get past is that previously you would meet with the unions and you'd meet with employees personally in individual consultations in terms of uh, Section 189 of the Labor Relations Act to conduct consultations in view of retrenchments. Now, with the social distancing, it has been very difficult to obviously meet on, with people personally, face-to-face -face in an office environment. And we have been conducting a lot of these retrenchment processes via Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Skype, etc., which has actually been quite remarkable and very effective. So for the first time, we've seen a remarkable use of technology to assist in, in conducting and, and complying with the Labor Relations Act. Another thing that we've seen and has been quite a difference for us lawyers is that the CCMA, for instance, has been conducting um, arbitrations and conciliations using Zoom platforms, Microsoft Teams, even the Labor Court is conducting a lot of trials and, and, and applications through um, virtual means, which We've all been thrown into the deep end and, and it's actually been quite remarkable that everybody's really learned to swim and very quickly. So I do think that it is, it's been a remarkable sort of learning curve for everybody. And I think technology in the workplace is going to um, result in, um, you know, the way forward. So even post COVID, I think many more people will be working from home because a lot of my clients are currently, funny enough, looking at downscaling their premises. They are looking at... Um, um, reducing their, their costs in terms of their rentals, and people will become will be able to work from home more flexibly. Furthermore, um, the courts have become more efficient in terms of virtual um, hearings, which obviously assists in witnesses that may be in different locations, not having to fly them in or get them to travel into court. And what I found personally, and I think a lot of the people that I've spoken to, is that what we found is instead of having to consult with people, travel to people's premises to have a meeting, 
everybody's doing it via Zoom and Skype and Microsoft Teams, which is saving a lot of people's time in not having to spend a half an hour, an hour in traffic every day. So I think the whole landscape of the way we work going forward will be changing and evolving and employers need to obviously keep abreast of this and to, to, to sort of make their workplaces more flexible because more and more people, I don't know if you've experienced it, have actually indicated that they really like working from home. So I think it is a culture that we're going to cultivate going forward. But as I said, the, the sadness of the pandemic is that more and more people are losing jobs, which really is a worry in South Africa. And lastly, Lisa, if an employee is suspecting that his or her employer is monitoring them without consent, how can they go about reporting this and to whom can it be reported? So what I would recommend is obviously that would be unlawful. And I would therefore recommend that they actually report if there is an HR department in the business to which they in which they are employed to most certainly approach the HR practitioner and to even lodge a grievance about it um, and to bring that to the attention of, um, of the workplace. Um, and if, if that doesn't help, then it may even be worth um, going to the CCMA or even going to, to it may even be a criminal offense that they may want to look at. But obviously what's very important is employees need to bear in mind that it's always best to resolve issues internally than to just run to the police and say, I've been, you know, this is unlawful surveillance of my personal um space, etc. Because that may just create a situation that the you know it creates conflict with the employer and you know it, it's not always in the best interest of either party. So my advice would be to approach the HR, to bring it to the attention and to see where, where there can be a resolution of it. What I would do is that it's important for employees before they report that to HR to look at their own contracts of employment and IT policies because a lot of employers have IT policies that were pre-COVID and those IT policies make it very clear that the employer is in fact entitled to monitor your emails, your use of the internet and so, so the monitoring of employees on work equipment is not something new. These things have been happening over many, many years. So before they run to HR and start alleging that it's all unlawful, they should look at their own contracts of employment because some contracts have these clauses in it, or they should turn to their own HR and uh, IT policies to check firstly if in fact these things are in place. If they are unsure, then yes, approach HR and say, look, I understand that I am being monitored. Can you please point me to the policy that I signed or my contract of employment in which I've consented to this? And then, of course, if there is nothing, then the employer can ob employee can object to it. And any information that has been obtained during that unlawful period of monitoring would not be admissible. That was Lisa Ann King from Fluxman Attorneys, a legal professional Sharing with us, is it appropriate for your employer to use monitoring tools to track employee productivity? Before that, we were joined by Nelisa Nulana, unpacking what these tools are and how they work. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or stream via www.vafm.co.za.